0: On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, what's the pathway to the Toronto Raptors overachieving going into this season? Of course, this franchise has made a history of overachieving over the last decade or so. Can they get back on that train this season? We'll detail how that could happen coming up in just one second on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. Uh... You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? And welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, October the 4th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now, going on 10 seasons for various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website, formerly known as Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow me on Instagram, the show on Instagram that is at Raptors. Don't follow me on Instagram. God, no. I'm blocking you if you're not a friend or a family member. Either way! Instagram, locked on Raptors. The Discord server, link is in the description. Come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. It's free to join a great little family of people. We got over 200 sickos who love the Raptors and the podcast apparently hanging out in the same place, talking ball, talking Blue Jays, talking everything. Fantasy basketball season starting up. I think we're going to maybe have like multiple fantasy leagues with those people in the Discord. It's also the place to get your mailbag questions submitted if you have them for the show. So please be sure to join the Discord. We'd love to see you in there. Great little community we got building around the show you can also follow subscribe to rate and review for free on all your favorite podcast apps as always it's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that all right on today's show we are gonna take a little inspiration from a piece yesterday in the athletic by John Hollinger talking about the teams he's projecting to most overachieve compared to their like Vegas win total this coming season and one of those teams was the Toronto Raptors who right now have a 36.5 projected win total at uh you know your standard sports books our friends at FanDuel etc and you know that's a number that I think is pretty fair considering the loss of Fred VanVleet considering this team was not especially good last season considering the fit of the roster is a little bit clunky and there's a whole lot of question marks when it comes to Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., will there be trades at the deadline? Will this be a sell-off team? All that type of stuff. I think 36.5 is about fair. For what it's worth, I also have them coming in over 36.5, but I don't know if I'm very bullish on them getting more than the 41 they had last year, and so for the purposes of this conversation, quote-unquote overachieving, we'll, we'll just say... What's the pathway to them being a plus 500 team, which I, I think would be kind of classified as a bit of an overachievement, especially when you consider where the Vegas lines are at right now. So on today's show, we'll dig into, you know, the ways in which that can happen, you know, how they can kind of trim the fat, cut out the excess from what they did on offense last season, get rid of the stuff that guys don't do very well, replace it with stuff that accentuates the strengths of the players on this team. We'll get into that. Also, we'll talk about the defense uh, at the end of the show as well. I think I'm just fascinated by this team's defense, honestly. I'm very bullish on it. We're actually going to talk tomorrow with Samson Folk of Raptors Republic about the Raptors' defense and how they can go about becoming an elite unit. But off the top, I I think we should probably just, you know, kind of circle back to the John Hollinger thing, you know, detail the reasons why he thinks the Raptors are kind of projected to be underachievers, and I think just kind of lean into the main argument for why overachievement's possible for this team. Um, You know, Hollinger kind of noted, yes, they lost Fred VanVleet. That's a big talent loss. But he did kind of, I think, presented that he thinks the arrival of Dennis Schroeder plus Jalen McDaniels plus Grady Dick on the whole kind of of increases the overall sort of talent on the team. It certainly increases the depth. That's like one thing that's undeniable. This is a deeper team, I think, in terms of like NBA-level players than we saw last year. But I still think Hollinger's piece a little bit kind of underplays the the loss of the pull-up shooting of Fred Van Vliet, of just like the three-point volume of Fred Van Vliet. And I think asking Grady Dick or Dennis Schroeder or Jalen McDaniels, while they all have some shooting upside, maybe not so much Schroeder, but definitely Grady and Jalen, you know, I I think it's maybe kind of underplaying the value of having a lead ball handler who can, in fact, make defenses think when he comes around the top of a pick-and-roll and make them worry about the pull-up three. They don't have that threat right now. And I think from there, for a team that figures to want to run a lot of pick-and-roll, as Darko Ryakova just talked about, I think that still is a limiting factor to the overall quality of what this team might be able to do. But that said, you know, I think the, the points laid out by Hollinger are pretty decent. And I think the talent argument that he kind of alludes to, and that I think I'm just going to kind of dive into now, is really it right ultimately the argument for this team being able to overachieve this season lies in the talent because there's no doubt about it there is talent on this basketball team pascal Siakam is a two-time All-NBA player who just averaged 24, 8, and 6 on above league average efficiency and is just a really, really excellent basketball player. That dude, at any given time, is one of the top 25 players alive any given season. He can be considered one of the top 15. He's done it twice already, and I think you know, a lot of teams looking around the NBA are like, would be thrilled to have a starting point of Pascal Siakam on their roster. You also combine OG and Anobi, who we know is a world-class defender. You know, defense is part of the game too. Defensive talent is talent, and OG is as talented as any defensive player in basketball, barring maybe one or two more traditional rim protector types who can kind of exert more of an impact on individual games just because that's how basketball tends to work. But... OG is like a unicorn defender. He can capably guard one through five. He also was a pretty good offensive player when he's not being overburdened and overtasked and asked to do too much. You know, we'll see if, you know, they kind of ask him to do stuff that isn't really part of his wheelhouse this season. I would imagine he'll get some opportunity to do so within, you know, Darko Ryakovich's sort of one through four system. This is what he talked about on media day, saying that like one through four is going to be pretty interchangeable and everyone's going to get shots to create in that one through four range. That OG's part of that, and so he's going to get chances you know if it's not too much of a of like the the pie of his different of his possessions chart I, I think he still stands a chance of being a very efficient play finishing type player you know the three-point shooting the cutting the the scoring around the rim he's really good at all that and so that's talent obviously Scotty Barnes might have the most talent to burn of any of these guys and you know it's a lot to ask but where he can go it is pretty off the chart ceiling wise as to what like a peak version of Scotty Barnes could look like again I have my reservations about how well this roster is set up to actually allow that growth to happen in sort of a the, the way that you want it with the speed you want it this is actually something i mad i didn't get to ask masai Ujiri about on media day they ran out of time i had my hand waving in the back but uh, i wanted to ask like hey, what do you make of this roster and whether it is actually set up to help scotty develop i wish we could have got an answer on that but um either way He's ridiculously talented. We know this. There's no doubt about this. And he has like upward mobility and gives the Raptors upward mobility in terms of their overall talent just because he's really, really talented. I don't know what to say. He's he's got a lot to offer if you can kind of refine some of the stuff that didn't go so well. Last year, you know, Pertle perfectly good starting center. Uh, I think most teams would be very happy with him as a starting five. He's killer with his efficiency at the rim. We know he's got really interesting passing chops that it seems like the Raptors are very much going to try to weaponize this year. Give me five assists, Yak. Let's go. I'm all for it. Beyond that, you know, Gary Trent Jr., while I'm less sold on him than some, I think his shot making is just like a form of talent. Not a lot of the guys on this team can go in and step into mid-rangers and hit contested shots. Like, Gary seems to be better when a dude is draped all over him than he is when he's wide open. That is a form of talent. Gary Trent Jr.'s got that, even if I'm lower on him as sort of like an all-around player, as like a passer, defender, etc., the shooting talent is there. And then Dennis Schroeder, like, you know, he's no, like, star point guard or anything like that, but he's probably no worse than the 28th or 25th best point guard in basketball. That's a pretty good spot to be as far as like a backup option when you lose Fred Van Vliet for nothing and you're kind of panicking and looking around, you know, they get lucked out with Dennis Schroeder still being available. Frankly, you think back to when they lost out on Marcus and Serge Ibaka and Giannis side, the Supermax way back in 2021, I guess it was, you know, they didn't really have a backup option, right? Or it 2020. They didn't have a backup option. It was like, Oh, well, I guess Aaron Baines is the best choice left. And it seemed like an okay choice at the time. But I think like Schroeder, now compared to Baines then like just night and day as far as like overall talent you're adding to the roster for the mid-level exception you know beyond that how do they optimize some guys do you get development as far as other guys we'll get into all of that but I do think just like one through six you could do a lot worse than what the Raptors are are rolling out there you know talent wise the fit is where the concern comes in and the fit is going to have to be something that Darko Ryakovich and his staff are very keen on kind of massaging and I do think A really important thing for this year's team is just going to be finding the right combinations of guys whose skills complement one another. It's not a perfectly assembled roster. There's lots of weird overlap. There's lots of guys who do similar things or don't do a thing you might want. And I think finding the right combinations of players and using them and deploying them sort of very thoughtfully, I think, is going to be a big part of this. And so we'll come back on the other side to dig into how... They can overcome uh, the fit concerns with this team and sort of figure out some ways in which you can optimize each guy, kind of go through the strengths of each player that you hope to see kind of put to the forefront and some of the stuff these guys don't do very well that maybe we could see kind of excised from the night-to-night game plan. We'll get to that in just a second as we continue to look at how the Raptors can go about overachieving this coming season. Before we do that, however, got to tell you better friends over at Ibotta. It's football season. It means pizza, wings, maybe even some buffalo chicken dip. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate, you can get and get cash back on every single purchase when you go to the store to pick up all your stuff for game day. With Ibotta, Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover for the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use the cash back on something you've had your eye on maybe a flight to go see some friends around the holidays maybe you want to go get a fancy dinner or something like that you can use that cash back to get real stuff to enrich your day to day download the ibotta app right now use the code locked l-o-c-k-e-d to start earning real cash back just go to the app store or google play store and download the free ibotta app and use the code locked l-o-c-k-e-d that's i-b-o-t-t-a in the google play or app store and use the code locked with ibotta all right continuing on here continuing going on uh <laughs> i've been talking a lot lately doing the blue jays podcast as well which you can go check out by the way and so i feel like I, i've forgotten my, like the words are just kind of lost all meaning they're just sounds i'm sorry if i sound weird or insane uh i've been talking a lot anyway you don't care about that let's get into how the raptors can go about maximizing their talent overcoming the sort of fit concerns that I think are very real, very fair to have about this team, right? I I think, you know, again, the lack of a pull-up shooting threat, the lack of a traditional ball handler, the lack of anyone who can at once dribble, pass, and shoot threes, that's a problem. Like, there's no doubt about it. When you're trying to build a team in 2023 in the NBA, that is kind of the first ingredient you want to have, is shooting gravity from your ball handlers. That's just, it opens up things for everybody else alas the raptors don't really have that right now and so they're gonna have to get creative in terms of how do they optimize the fit of the players on this roster to kind of make it more of a team that can be better than the sum of its parts right this was not the case with last year's team right there was just was was like all these fit concerns all this overlap and because nick nurse only had seven or eight guys he trusted or You know, because he refused to go deeper into guys that he might have been able to trust, but just kind of didn't want to go there. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of versatility in the way the lineups and team could be deployed. They had like a couple core lineups. And after that, it was like, all right, let's figure it out and try to survive by the seat of our pants in the rest of these games. And I just, I think, you know, as far as changes that are going to come in with Darko, I I do think that just the approach that 10 guys in the rotation has kind of got to be the goal. That he talked about on media day that is really encouraging to me as far as the the prospect of this team overcoming its fit issues by getting creative and thoughtful with the way they deploy their players in ways that complement one another right and i think darko yakovich has talked a lot in his public forums where he's spoken about his philosophies about wanting to have guys focus on the things that they're good at wanting to have you know guys kind of lean into the things that they're really going to excel with and i think that, that stands to reason, like any good coach, I think, is sort of trying to not have guys be bogged down by the things they can't do. Rather, profile the things they can do, then layer in stuff on top of that once those things are perfected. And I do think that seems like the sort of M.O. for this coaching staff, at least from the outside. You know... Again, accentuating the strengths, eradicating the stuff that guys don't do well, I think we're probably off to a pretty good start in that regard. I think the thing that a lot of the guys on this team did not do well last season was score in isolation, Uh, and it was a thing they did a whole lot, and it just was pretty untenable. You know, OG, 0.6 points per possession as an isolation score. Awful. Really, really bad. Scotty Barnes, 0.81 points per possession as an isolation score. Really, really bad. Pascal Siakam, the only guy who was even respectable, essentially, as an iso score, just barely cleared 1.00 points per possession. Uh, you know, you want to not lean into stuff you're not very good at. And it felt like last year there was a lot of that ISO, a lot of that mismatch hunting, and just having guys kind of go to work without doing much in the way of setting others up. Or, you know, I think this got fixed a little bit after the deadline. I think Jakob actually introduced a lot more movement and uh, sort of team play to the whole enterprise, and it was nice to see. Obviously, the results in the play-in were ugly, but I do think the lead-in to the play-in and the lead-up to the playoffs were at least interesting to watch and more exciting and just like more normal team basketball and having Yaka hurdle from jump street i think will certainly help in kind of getting that going this year but i do think we're going to really see um, you know with the point five thing with the one through four everyone kind of getting chances to create with the hopeful sort of increase in off ball movement and creative cuts and stuff like that um you know the, the the passing that they do have on hand you know especially in the front court right pascal scotty oh pascal scotty yak as a trio it's rare you're gonna find three guys at that size with the passing chops those three guys all have and i think there are ways to weaponize that to overcome some of the and sort of avoid some of the play types that were really really grim for them last season and look it's not to say that there's not going to be growing pains and stuff that doesn't work out, right? And stuff that they try that guys aren't awesome at. This is not a season about optimizing everything, and I think the way Darko Ryakova has talked about the long haul of an 82-game season is very refreshing to hear, and I think he's going to kind of build in a, a bit of an expectation that, yeah, sometimes things are not going to be absolutely optimized for every single game to be won, but in the long haul, that can be a good thing. And, like, so... Scotty Barnes, for example, not a good pick and roll creator, not a good initiator as far as points per possession created for his team. It's just not. If you go read Samson, folks, excellent, excellent piece over at Raptors Republic. He dug into every single pick and roll Scotty Barnes has run or ran last year. It was not a pretty sight for the most part. Like, really, really grim stuff. The numbers were not good. Some of the quotes in there from scouts about how teams are going to guard Scotty Barnes. Pretty concerning. If that's the player he is, of course, it's talking about a player that existed months ago, maybe there's some change. Maybe there's been some refinement and some improvement. Hopefully, a bit more of a focus on the mid-range pull-up. If that can kind of come back, that would be huge for Scotty Barnes, as we've talked about a lot. You know, that said, they're still going to run pick and roll with Scotty, even though he's not great at it. And that's the idea. You try to get him there at some point. But there's going to be a balance, I think, between those developmental things where you have to have guys test out things and try new horizons and all this stuff, while also trimming the fat, getting rid of the stuff that didn't work at all last year and replacing it with better stuff so that the times where you're not optimizing everything, you have a bit more to fall back on as far as stuff to go to if Scotty Barnes flames out on three straight attempted pick and rolls that he's operating or whatever. Um, you know, I think Scotty, you know, he passes well. We know he scores well over bigs. We know he can really operate from the middle of the floor as a screener and a dive man. And I think we're gonna see that. I think I got the impression from Darko Ryakovich that they are not just going to have Scotty be the full-time point guard, and that is great. Like I think having Scotty try a bunch of different things is awesome because he's good at a bunch of different things and can be awesome at a bunch of different things. And to set to set him off on one sort of developmental track of you're the point guard now, go be a point guard. It's just never made sense to me. There's just too much else in Scottie's game that is really exciting to have him just occupy that niche. And so uh, I think we are going to get a, a lot of Scottie as a screener, as a dive man, as a, as a pick and roll. Uh, sorry, as a, as a dribble handoff operator, right, where he's working with Gary Trent Jr. or Grady Dick or any of the Raptors better shooters. Otto Porter Jr. even, for example, who, by the way, looking healthy at camp, fingers crossed, like Otto Porter on this team makes a world of difference and opens up a lot of different lineup combinations that just weren't accessible to them last year when he only played eight games. It's big. And I think some really, really cool possibilities there if auto Porter's healthy, along with Jalen McDaniels, Grady Dick, uh, Gary Trent jr. OG and an OB, all of a sudden hey there's like five shooters I know Jalen McDaniels up and down in his career but um, you know there, there's there's shooting upside here in a way that just wasn't on last year's team it's not to say they have a ton of shooting because they don't but this kind of goes back to needing to find the lineups where guys are going to be kind of at their best and not not at their best but Lineups where it's going to allow guys to do the things they do best to complement other players who maybe don't do those things, right? And I think having Otto Porter, for example, makes that easier. It makes it easier to come up with Scotty lineups where he's creating and you have shooting dotted all around him, right? You know, a bench lineup where Scotty's running the show and you have yourself Otto Porter Jr., Grady Dick, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua. Like, these are fun, interesting, conceptual lineups that... Will actually put Scotty in a better position to go and succeed when he's running pick and rolls, when he's doing stuff that he's not typically been very adept at. I'm also really encouraged that it doesn't sound like they're going to roll with, or they haven't committed to a starting five, or I guess more accurately, I'm encouraged they're not just telegraphing Dennis Schroeder as the starting point guard you know, as much as I have my reservations about Scotty being a point guard, I think you have to lean into it and just let him do it. And that's the best option for this team where it's at right now. And I think Dennis Schroeder, you know, I've talked about this before. If you go look at the lineups in which he's been the most successful throughout his career, they are often lineups with tons of shooting and extra ball handling as well. But like, tons and tons of shooting last year the best lineups he was in when he was on the lakers featured d'angelo russell and troy brown who shot like 40 percent from three and thomas bryant who doesn't do anything on a basketball court except shoot threes from the big man spot like that's how you get the most out of dennis schroeder and i don't think you get the most out of him playing him in a clunky lineup with other guys who are going to want to create pascal og gary Jakob pertle i don't think that's the best spot for him but you roll him in second units and you have shooting around him. Maybe you have Scotty playing small ball five with Christian Coloco out. And all of a sudden, there are some avenues there for Dennis Schroeder to kind of tap into his strengths and kind of be the best version of himself. I, I think, as far as like combinations of players that excite me, I think anything with Scotty and Gary Trent Jr., I think Samson and Lewis Satsman were talking about this as Lewis wrote about this recently. Like the just the combination of Gary and Scotty, the passing mixed with the shooting, mixed with the ability for Scotty to get downhill, like all that stuff is like, that's good. That's good basketball. That's complementary skills. And I think those make sense on the floor together. It's why I think Gary needs to start next to Scotty Barnes, frankly. Like that's a duo we know works. Go use it from the start of games. Yes, the rest of the lineup might be cramped, Yes, it might be tricky if Pascal Siakam's not hitting his threes or if teams are switching everything with Scotty Barnes and pick and rolls and, you know, they're daring him to go blow by big men or wings, you know, that could be problematic, right? Like we've seen that. That's not been a thing he's great at. Can he get by smaller players, right? He probably you know has got to work on that first step. I'm sure he has throughout the offseason, all that stuff. But, um, you know, because of the sort of cramped nature of that starting five, I think Gary's gotta be in there. I think, you know, him over Dennis Schroeder is just like a no brainer to me, frankly. I'll be pretty surprised if Dennis Schroeder ends up starting just because I don't think it makes basketball sense. Um, but this is what I'm talking about, right? You put Scotty with OG and Gary Trent Jr. in a lot of lineups, those guys have a history of succeeding together. You have Pascal Siakam playing with uh, maybe Dennis Schroeder in some second units, right? Maybe he's a small ball five a little bit. Maybe he's working the four. You run some pick and roll with those two guys and you can kind of use their athleticism as a weapon. Like, that's interesting to me. Like, there's... Gonna be combinations of players who really work And You know, there's some guys who will fit anywhere. Auto Porter Jr., for example. OG fits with anybody. Gary fits in pretty much every lineup. Um, you know, Yak fits if there's not too much sort of clunky shooting on the floor as just like a backbone for a lot of these lineups. I, I do think because of the eleven, twelve deep bench this team has right now, with the varying skill sets they have. I mean, think about last year how unversatile this supposedly versatile team was. They had Seven guys, eight guys, most of whom were shaped the exact same, played the exact same style. They had basically one trick in the offense, which was go ISO, go find mismatches and hunt them, or run a yak Fred pick and roll and see what flows out of that. In the back part of the season, they're going to have more stuff to go to this year. And it will be clunky at times. There's no way that a team with this much sort of Question marks floating around about their shooting this many question marks is going to have smooth beautiful offense at all times It's gonna be ugly at times there's gonna be growing pains as they get used to Darko's system, but I do think that the idea of accentuating the strengths and getting guys into you know spots and with lineup combinations and with um you know just sort of players who complement them is going to be easier to do this year it's going to open up versatility of lineups and it's going to open up ways in which the raptors can win games in different ways which all goes back to the idea of overachieving last year they did not have the the just they did not have enough on hand to go and win all these games despite throwing everything they could at all these games you have to have more than one trick in the bag and i do think they will have that this year even if they lack some pretty significant important pieces they have enough in terms of variation of skills and talent this year that i think they can kind of accentuate guys strengths a little more effectively which is great not to mention getting rid of the iso stuff bye bye iso ball no no thanks bye-bye not for me <laughs> i think that will go a long way too We'll come back on the other side, uh, close things out here with a quick look at the defense, which we'll dive into more detail on tomorrow with Samson Folk. But I do want to get into this defense really being the key. If this team is going to overachieve and win 41, 43, 45 games, the defense is going to be the thing that drives it. It's going to be the floor setter. We'll get into that and why that is in just a sec. But first... Just a reminder, Locked on Blue Jays, who knows how much longer I'll be doing, it? I'm going through the end of the playoffs, which could in theory be today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, but Locked on Blue Jays, go check it out. We get the Game 1 recap, we'll have recaps of Game 2, hopefully Game 3, and hopefully all the rest of the playoffs as the Blue Jays advance from here, Uh, but if not, it was a blast either way. Go support Locked on Blue Jays by subscribing to podcast, to myself and Mike DiStefano as we take you through the postseason run. All right, let's close this thing out with the defense. Uh, Look, as much as I talked about the offense and the ways in which I think they'll be able to sort of be better than the sum of their parts offensively because of the varying skill sets and the added shooting that they didn't have last year, uh, I think the defense is still going to be the thing that keeps this team going. I still expect the Raptors to be a bottom 10 half-court offense team. And, you know, they'll probably game the margins a little bit when it comes to offensive rebounding, I don't think they'll necessarily do it when it comes to, like, forcing steals because I do think, if you're talking about accentuating strengths, I think this Raptors defense, the strength of it is it's long as hell. It's enormous and it has a lot of dudes who are just incredible as one-on-one defenders. And last year and under Nick Nurse, I think they kind of got away from that a little bit and ran with a defense that didn't quite maximize the strengths of some of these guys. Yes, like... A lot of these guys also excelled at covering tons of ground, and I asked Darko Ryakovich about defense on Monday at Media Day, and he said, like, there's going to be lots of different stuff. Like, they're going to try a million things, they're going to have all sorts of pick-and-roll coverages, it's not going to be just one thing, and it's not to say that the Raptors just did one thing either. I think that's a little too reductive, it simplifies it too much. Like, they ran different types of coverages, of course, because every NBA team does. But they were very married to the overaggression, to the extra help, to the sending to the ball and having to recover back. They wanted to have their cake and eat it, too. Really? Really? It was like, all right, the ball comes to a guy, get the ball out of his hands, and then rush back and defend the shot. It's hard to do, though. It's hard to maintain that over the course of 48 minutes a night over an 82-game season. It's really taxing, and we saw it. Uh, And I think it's even more taxing when you're asking your players to play 35-plus minutes at night while also playing this manic style of defense. And I think if we're talking about trimming the fat and and just kind of getting guys into positions where they're going to be successful, I frankly think the number one way the Raptors can do that is just by chilling out on defense a little bit more. rein it in you know yeah you're going to you know gamble for steals here and there but it felt like it was just sort of like a every single possession last season felt like the main sort of goal of the possession was to get a steal and it doesn't have to be that it can be force a bad shot and a miss and i think that is something the raptors plan to probably do this year is be a little bit more chill obviously aggression will you know there'll be times where it's called for and all that but i feel pretty good about this defense, just kind of letting their good defenders cook as individual defenders, right? I think Jakubertel, we know, excellent rim protector. Uh, probably best, it's like a drop big, but he's also very mobile. Like he's got some very fleet feet. He can get out there. He can kind of, you know, if in a pinch, switch onto a smaller player and at least make it work, make them work for it, and all that. I, I think, but mostly you're probably going to see him play a drop. And I think the way Darko Rizakovic has talked. Protecting the paint is going to be job number one. Avoiding those like easy drives to the rim, those uh, drives that then lead to wide-open threes on kickouts. I think number one priority is have a wall around the paint and keep the paint touches to a minimum. And I think if you have Yakup pertle playing in a drop, I think if you have Ochi Ananobi harassing dudes on the ball, uh, I think Dennis Schroeder, for example, like great at fighting over screens and, and keeping guys honest and keeping guys in front of them. I think there's lots of ways... For this team to just play pretty stay-at-home defense and be very good. And then, you know, the misses you force at of that, maybe you run off those a little more effectively. Maybe uh, that's kind of how they kickstart the transition game as opposed to, you know, forcing steals being the way they do it. You know, obviously, forcing a steal, it's like the easiest way to get a bucket because you just walk the other way. But if you're forcing misses and running regularly off of it and you're using the sort of everyone-can-grab-and-go thing to its, you know, its, its best sort of capabilities... I think there's a lot you can do with a defense that just kind of hangs out and forces bad shots. And I do think they're going to try to eradicate corner threes, which boy, oh boy, the Raptors sure love to give up corner threes to role players in the last couple of years under Nick Nurse. Uh, I think that's really exciting. And again, it all starts with not letting dudes get into the paint. And a lot of that starts with just playing to the strengths of this defense, which will be on-ball defense in a lot of cases. Of course... This requires a lot from Scotty Barnes. It, getting better at that, especially if he's gonna be chasing around lead ball handlers. That to me is like the biggest sort of thing that could unspool this defense is do they have a point of attack defender who can actually work in concert with Yak to keep players out of the out of the paint, right? I, I think Yak, once guys get to the paint, he's gonna be there as your back line line of defense and that's what you want i think pascal siakam we know can be an excellent low man a really good help defender at the rim um you know he's really excellent there but can you avoid those straight line drives and i think when dennis Schroeder's on the floor they won't have an issue with that he's really really good as a point of attack defender you know obviously they can throw og on a point guard and have great success with that uh we've seen it ash trey young ask any point guard who og's kind of been asked to guard in a big situation john wall all the way back to like his rookie season he was really good And is really good at that stuff. He is one of the very few true one through five defenders in basketball and solves a lot of your problems, but they're going to have to have good point of attack defense. I think Gary Trent Jr. is another big one here, right? Like, it's my biggest concern about Gary, honestly, is can he hold up in a defense that isn't emboldening him to go be a steals wizard? And can he just be straight up and stay up in front of guys? All that said, you know, as much as I'm a little concerned about the Scotty and Gary of it all, I think the rest of the defensive talent on this team is incredibly good. I think, you know, Precious Achua, we know, is like an excellent, excellent defensive player. If he's in there, he can chase point guards for you and really bother them with length. Ask Trey Young. <laughs> I feel like Trey Young has gotten the brunt of a lot of the Raptors' long wing defenders guarding point guards. Uh, it's super fun to watch. And I mean, Jalen McDaniels, he's pretty slender, he's he's lean, he can kind of fight through screens as well, you know, keep, keep with guys over the top, all of that. I think the defensive talent here is very real, and outside of Grady Dick and probably Gary Trent Jr., I don't think there's a negative defender on this team. Even Scotty Barnes, you know, we'll have to see. I think he flirted back and forth last year between being an awful defender and a really exciting defender and kind of came out as a net neutral in a lot of ways. Um, Way more adept as like an off-ball rover type as opposed to a straight-on ball guy. But um, you would hope that a little bit more sort of attention to detail with the defense, a little more of a simplified scheme, and him just kind of trusting in his enormous length. Trusting that he can harass guys and, and corral guys, trusting that he, he can be like he can go under screens and still have the length and the recovery time to get back in front of a guy and, and maybe even contest. Like I, I think there is a lot of defensive potential here for Scotty Barnes to tap into, and I think that as much as his pick and roll playmaking is going to be essential for this team, and if this team can be a really good defensive team, I, and I think they have like the personnel. You know, we'll see about the schemes, but I think the personnel easily is like top five level in terms of just top through bottom good defensive players on the roster. You have OG, who's one of the very best, and a lot of guys who are very, very good. There's no reason this team can't be at least a top 10 defense, and if they're close to a top five defense, that's going to give them such a high floor that overachievement, again, becomes part of the conversation just because it carries them to such a baseline level of competence it makes so the the bar for the offense to clear is not nearly as high again offense is going to drive success more than defense in the modern NBA but I, I think with a really good defense you set yourself up to be in pretty good shape and if you can scrape just a little bit more out of the offense then maybe it seems like they can on the surface right now then that's the recipe for overachievement. That's the recipe for 44, 45 wins in an Eastern Conference that, frankly, you know, with Miami not getting Lillard, with uh, the Hawks being the Hawks and very much a, a question mark, with the, the Nets certainly bound for a drop back. The Knicks, I think, are very good and pretty deep and they'll probably be rock solid. But I do think, like, it's not crazy to squint and see if things really fall right. If they follow this path to overachievement that we've kind of laid out this can be a team that flirts with a six seed in the Eastern Conference, which would be a great step forward and a really nice thing you can kind of hang your hat on and something that probably changes your future outlook of what this team can be as Scotty Barnes continues to grow as you sort of reshape the roster around what he is. You know, who knows what happens with Pascal and OG. We'll save that for another day. I'm kind of done thinking about that stuff right now. I just want to talk hoop and we'll do that. And we are do that today. And I think that's kind of a pretty good spot to leave this, honestly. I, I, I still probably think... Because there's going to be a big balance of development versus optimization of winning, that will probably see less than 45, 44 wins, whatever it is, like whatever overachievement achievement means to you. That's kind of where I have that zone. 43 and up is probably overachievement to me, um, but or 42, I don't know, 43 probably. But either way, I think they still probably come in a little bit under that because I've kind of laid out a very idealistic and perfect situation kind of outcome here, but. Crazier things have happened, and the talent on this roster, to go back to the very beginning, is very much there. And as much as the fit is janky and weird right now, who knows what what some creative and interesting coaching and sort of the the dead cat bounce after Nick Nurse can do to help this team get to where it wants to go a little more effectively. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk defense with Samson Folk. Looking forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, you can follow the show for free. Subscribe, rate, review, et cetera, on your favorite, podca- excuse me, your favorite podcast apps on YouTube. Never miss an episode by subscribing over there, setting those notifications to on. I have the hiccups now. This is not great. Uh, and So I'm going to close this thing out. But yeah, Discord, link is in the description. We'd love to see you in there. Uh, come hang out, talk with the Sickos, join the Fantasy League, which will be booting up very, very soon. And we will leave it there. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Thanks for hanging. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye.